I get it. It's like the world is full of amazing people and places and things to do and things to mm-hmm. learn. I get it. Sorry, Mo. Speaking of amazing people and Belyanov, good to see you, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome Belyanov. But, but, Hello, but how do we know this is really Phil and not just your ATEM doing a really good deep fake of Phil while he while you're in the toilet or something? I, I think it's the responding to your questions part because otherwise the fake Phil goes like this. <laughs> Apparently, the way to tell if someone's a deep fake is to get them to turn all the way to the left and all the way to the right because the current deep fake technology can't handle doing side profiles. So if you ever if you're ever not sure if someone's real, just get them to do that. So we want ear prints, not retinas. That's the one. Yeah. Isn't that funny? What does it say that like, like that's the last thing I want to have to worry about, right? Whether someone's real or not. I know. That's, that's the word we, what's the word we're going into there, Chris? I refuse. I refuse to go into that world. <laughs> As if we didn't have really? enough. I said the same thing about TikTok and here we are. Speaking of TikTok, yes. Yeah. We should be on TikTok. Come on, we're already in, where are we? Ecuador, right? Um, Fan base? Oh, I, I never put that up. Our number 12 ranking. <laughs> Ecuador, we love you. We love you. Oh my God. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Consultants Saying Things. I'm Chris Lockhart, joined by Oliver Cronk, Wendy Keen, Phil Yanoff. Today, we are talking about social media. Um, obviously, it's part of our lives these days. It has been for quite some time. Um, I think, you know, as consultants or practitioners in the field, right, there's always this question of, you know, how do I use these tools, um, both to sort of promote my brand, to network, to connect with people, to have conversations about interesting, insightful things? Um, but of course, you know, as we all know, you can probably get sucked into some things that you don't really want to be a part of. So, how do you maintain your sanity? And then, also critically, how do you not do or say something that you might come to regret at some point in the future? Right. So, um, guys, I, I, I wanted to start with this because you know I, I've got sort of my bugaboo about social media over, you know, over time. And so I just want to ask the question, why, if I'm a consultant, why should I care about social media other than sharing my pictures with grandma? Like, why does it matter? Go, Oliver. You, you, yeah, you know, yeah, I see him inhale. I see his mouth moving and no yeah. sound comes out. Come yeah. on, Ollie. Yeah. You got so it. I was, I was being polite and very British. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, no, no, I'm I'm super passionate about this one. Um, I think it's easy to be cynical about about it, but I think done the right way, it's really, really important. I think, you know, for example, Chris, you and I wouldn't have wouldn't have ever become friends 
without social media. Let's think of it. Think of it. Well, that's that. pretty strong, yeah. Oliver. Uh, calling us friends. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, yeah, friend of me. Saw that coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for I, sure. I, no, seriously, it's the it's the connection. It's the opportunity. It's you know we live in a kind of hyper connected global world these days, and the ability to kind of navigate that. And I guess it is a fire hose, isn't it? There's there's so many voices out there. There's so much you know information, good, bad, indifferent. Sometimes spam and bots, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And I think you have to create it. You have to kind of create what you absorb and you have to think about what you're going to kind of put out there and add to that, you know, that, that uh, ecosystem. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think done the right way. I think it's super, super powerful. And it was particularly helpful during the pandemic, I think for, you know, for business development, for example, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of go and connect and network in person during that time. But I think, I think the pandemic post pandemic, I think the pandemic has shifted our behavior in the space. I think, you know, technology is now a selling tool as much as going to conferences, for example. So yeah, no, no, I, I I can talk about this all day. So I'll stop. I'll just- no, no, but I get I get it for connection, right? I think that makes sense, right? Especially you know, Wendy, you're in Norway. We've never met in person, right? That sort of thing. I mean, I think all of those. Phil and I live in the same town and still don't hang out together, right? But it's like you know, I get it for a connection purpose. Is that it? And then maybe we only need one tool. We can go back to classmates.com or something like that, right? Like we, you know. Do we need all of these tools? What are they What are they useful for as a consultant? I also think there's a big aspect of learning. And we sort of forget this because we're so immersed in it. But our world is not just reading books today. It's drip by drip. It's the articles. It's the exploration of conversations online. So I think learning is actually a big part of this. And then as I think we've all alluded to, it's um, uh, to some degree, uh, more more for some people versus others, it's a visibility of one personally uh, and or their company. I would think about all the ways that all of us clearly are using social media, even even when we're reticent to do some things or other things we can kind of lean into, right? But I mean, I think about LinkedIn in particular, I, I have no idea, but certainly we have expanded the audience, the reach, the number of people who get to listen to this podcast or watch it on YouTube or watch it on LinkedIn or whatever. It's because it's shared and their friends do it. And we've basically been able to expand our social graph, whether it's Oliver's you know, great posts on LinkedIn or Wendy sharing her book or Chris sharing his book, right? All of those things, people have managed to kind of like know more about us, hear our voice, understand whether we were the kind of people that they might want to do business with, right? Or want to know better, you know, do you know, I always feel like getting our voice out in any place, again, whether it's LinkedIn or Twitter, or whatever, wherever that place is, that is how people can listen and say, you know what, I like Chris, and I'd like to spend some more, I like his thinking, and I'd like to have some more time with him on that, right? So I think that is really useful. And I don't know any other way to do it. And oh my gosh, what an incredible opportunity. I mean, you know, I think about how I made this pivot through the pandemic. And it was quite frankly, the pandemic did thing it, it forced people not to be out in groups anymore, but it allowed me to use tools like Twitter primarily to connect with people that now have completely changed my customer list, right? It, I am now global. And I was in, and before I was always thinking, here I am in South Carolina and North Carolina, a little bit of Georgia, and it's kind of fun, but I'd like to get bigger. How am I ever going to get bigger? And now I just have to open the door and people step in from all over the globe, right? Anybody who will listen to me speak my brand of English can show up and listen and be part of what we're doing. I think that's a really important bit, right? Because I think 
you know, if you go back to the early days of social media, and frankly, you can go into the 1990s with social media. We weren't calling it that then, right? But it existed. Um, and that that way of connecting with other people. I mean, Phil, you and I met because of Twitter, really. I mean, if you think about it, well, we became friends because of Twitter, I think. Right. Um, you know, and so so there's the there's the personal social aspect of it. But then I think, you know, so so meeting people, connecting with people, um, growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, an audience and things of that nature. But I think there's also the thing of, you know, how do you position yourself in that space, right? Which is not just I'm selling a thing, buy my thing. Here's my Facebook business page or whatever. It's, you know, Oliver, you know, you like photography, right? It's like, you know, this is about you. This is part of your brand, right? And you put that out on Instagram to demonstrate these are the things that you're interested in. And these are the things that you care about, right? So it's personal branding also, right? The, the, the thing around social media is we're, we're human social beings. And so I think it's just trying to kind of think about what is it that will connect me with my tribe, as it were. But the tribe has expanded to you know the globe, essentially, in many, in many respects. And what's really interesting is these sort of micro niches uh, of interest, which actually are possible now because... Before, you couldn't meet someone who would like to build a, an accordion out of Commodore 64s. But these days, thanks to the internet and YouTube, you're able to connect with you know, like-minded people that like hacking technology together and things like that. I mean, you know, before, you just wouldn't find these people. And so the interest groups and the kind of, yeah, the education piece that, that Wendy talked about is really interesting. But for me, it is all about sort of connecting over a common cause. However, I don't think all of this is roses, right? I mean, there's so much disinformation as well. It's been very polarizing. Uh, I get really frustrated actually by how polarized the world feels now because it feels like we're just shouting each other in a lot of cases, you know, uh, we're not, you know, so I, it's, it's not all roses. Um, but, but I, but I think the positives outweigh the negative. Well, on, on that point, and this isn't in the, in the, the thread, right. And this is probably a completely separate conversation, but was the world always polarized this way and or atomized this way and technology just revealed it faster? or accelerated it or made it easier or did the technology cause it? I think the hacking of the technology caused it. So uh, Cambridge Analytica is probably a well-known thing. You know, if, if folks listen to this haven't, haven't come across it, go and look it up. But essentially some clever people, slightly evil clever people discovered how they could almost use social media as a way of programmatically changing people's minds about things. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and in summary, I think one of the election campaigns, they worked out that if you liked certain brands, particularly American car brands, that one piece of data was enough to kind of uh, determine whether you are influenceable on on a certain election issue. So, uh, you know, for, for, for me, I think the social platforms themselves are, are necessarily as bad as people make out. It's it's how people are then able to use the APIs and the data and potentially manipulate people through the platforms. So, so let's talk about that, you know. How, you know, what platforms should consultants in particular be thinking about using and how should they think about using them? Because there's gazillions of them out there, right? Is, is this about find your niche, find your audience and then publish to it? Or is this try a whole bunch of different things all over the place until you find something? Or what, how do we, this is, this is almost like, how do you find your, you, I have a kid that's starting to go to doing college visits and stuff like that. Right. And so it's like, how do you find the right place for you? How do you find your tribe? Right. So it's top of mind. 
No, I think that matters, right? <clears throat> I remember, you know, when I would teach people how to do their own PR, I would ask them the question, you know, what do you want to do? What, you know, where, what would you like to have happen? If, you know, what's a win look like for you in doing your own public relations? And they said, well, I would really like to get to be, you know, I would like to have someone profile my business in a national paper or something like that. And I would say, you're, uh, let's imagine a bakery, for example, you're a bakery and you deliver goods in a 10 mile radius. Explain to me what the advantage is of having your name up in lights on this thing. And this is, of course, before we had social being able to cast its tendrils anywhere. And they would look and they'd realize, yeah, I, I'm not going to have anybody from Nebraska buying my stuff. So that probably isn't the right thing for me. And I say all that to say this, right? You could, you can use TikTok. You can use Pinterest. There are tribes in each of those places. But I've got to believe that if you're listening to this podcast and a professional consultant, that the largest collection of high quality people has got to be LinkedIn. Am I wrong about that? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you, Phil. I think um, from a business and consulting perspective, I think LinkedIn is has definitely proven to be that um, that that biggest collection, as you're saying. And then from there, it's perhaps trying um, different platforms and seeing how you like them, seeing if the tribe comes together. And of course, you need to show up differently in those platforms, right? So if I'm on Instagram, I am speaking and talking and communicating through photos in a little bit different way. Twitter, obviously 140 characters, right? A little bit different way. But it's interesting because we find different people in different places. So I think it's worth trying, but it's just important to know that you do have to adapt, right? How you speak to those, those different channels. And the thing is, I think some of them actually can deliver better than others, right? I'm thinking about, we ran an event a couple of months ago. We had one of the speakers had a post on Instagram. It had 2 million views on this post. Tons of engagement on that post, right? Just an absolutely, for us, a knocked it out of the park. And two click-throughs to our thing, right? And it's like... That wasn't worth the effort, was it? I mean, I, I did. I think where do people act? Where do they make decisions? And this is one of the reasons, like I said, I really like in the space. And I like Wendy's idea of like, I can run experiments in other places. But when we're little, when we're not, when we don't have the money and the time and all these people working for us, right? You know, if you're make, if you're not making seven or eight figures off of this already, then you probably ought to focus on where it's easiest first. Let's pick that low hanging fruit. And that's one of the reasons I like to get people started in the professional space on LinkedIn. Yeah. And I think it also matters, right? Um, the type of person that's using the tool that you are publishing on, right? So LinkedIn, let's just use LinkedIn. LinkedIn is probably almost always open on a browser somewhere on my laptop or my desktop or on my phone. And that's because, right, during the workday, you're engaging with clients or things like that. You want to, oh, uh, who is this person, right? You're looking things up. So it's open. So anyone that is trying to engage in a professional business context with me, that's probably the channel, right? Um, Instagram is probably going to be later at night or on the weekend, right? Or something, you know, in other words, you know, different times day, I'm going to different through different channels for different types of content. And I, I got to believe, you know, the people that are doing TikTok dances or whatever the kids are doing these days, right? It's like, that's a different, right? Those are different things consumed in different ways by different people. 
Now, having said that, we want people to follow us on Consultants Dancing Things. That's our TikTok channel, Consultants Dancing Things. Make sure you go check that out. Go ahead. Sorry. Now people will. We have to put something there. Yeah, yeah. We've got to... I better go and sign back that account. But um, yeah. I was just going to say a couple of observations on LinkedIn. One, I think the reason is it's it's very much tied to your identity and your personal pro- resume, CV. You know, your profile is very much there, which I think is, is a blessing and a curse sometimes. It perhaps sometimes stops people from saying how they really feel about things. Maybe that's a good thing if they're a bit extreme. But um, And the other thing is recently I discovered is how um, whilst the amount of engagement reduces at the weekend, the quality increases. And let me explain why. I think you're right, Chris, that most people do use it during the work day, maybe to look people up or, or ping them a message or, or whatever. But actually, at the weekend, you find less salespeople there and you find people genuinely wanting to talk about a detailed thing. So some of my you know, connections who think quite deeply about, say, architecture or business transformation, what have you, post things on the weekend. And I thought I'd give it a go. So I, I actually, the, the quality of the response I get at the weekend is very different to, to, to the week. Maybe because less people are posting at the weekend and therefore... You see things, but that was really interesting for me. That's my big observation literally over the last couple of weeks is the weekend actually isn't a dead zone for LinkedIn. It's a different zone. So, okay. So let's talk about then some of these tools. So like Phil, I know you use Twitter for, for business purposes. And, right. and I know that that's expanded sort of your um, ability to reach people. Right. Um, do you, does, does, is that the lone value proposition of a tool like Twitter or are there other aspects to it that, that you are experiencing, right? That are like, yeah, th- I'm really glad I used it because I, I, I was able to do this, right? Instead of, yeah, instead of right. this. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of like back to both your and Wendy's points that got made earlier, which is it's a learning tool as well. So it's a mm-hmm. chance to see, to dig into other people's thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but it certainly has allowed me to make credible connections with people who don't even live in the country I live in and start conversations and build, you know, business relationships. I have people paying me to do what I do who live in other countries because I met them on Twitter, right? Or I said something and it's allowed us to expand. So, uh, you know, I do it because I'm, I like interesting people. And so I collect them in various groups on Twitter and there's just different things I like to do. And so I kind of lean into that. So I follow those folks and, you know, you know, you pointed out somewhere, maybe this hasn't made it onto tape yet, but you pointed out in the pre-roll that, you know, Twitter is much smaller, for example, than other platforms. But to me, that's not as big a deal. And I forget the bots and all the trolls and all that stuff. I don't deal with that bit, but there are some real thought leaders that I like, I enjoy, I am like spending time with them. And we have those conversations on Twitter. Uh, so I'm, I've made a lot happen inside of Twitter and it's worked quite well for me. Now, I don't know. It's so, you know, so on the that time thread, we record this and it comes out, who knows how yeah, someone right. exploded it, right? You, you'll pay your $8 for a blue check. <laughs> Here's a deal, by the way. Can I answer one thing? I'm already paying the four. You know, I pay for the Twitter blue because mm. I, it allows me to do a couple of things that I think are worth four bucks a month for me. Well, this is, this is where I was actually going to go, which was, you know, how do you, because when Twitter first was created, I created two accounts back in 2009. Right. And one was like, you know, I want to talk, I want to cultivate different tribes around these different IDs. Sure. And one of them just got like swamped with a bunch of crap that like, uh, I just ended up like shutting it down. The other one persisted for a lot longer, but it gradually was just like overwhelmed by 
sales and like just crap that I didn't care about. In other words, it was like the equivalent of like my Gmail account. I just over time, it's just like 99% spam. So my question is, you know, you mentioned paying for the service. How did, how did you now, how do you navigate separating the wheat from the chat? How do you stay out of, how do you maintain your mental health on Twitter, right? Or any of these tools, right? How do you keep those things separate? Because if you're a consultant, you want to keep it professional on LinkedIn, right? And you don't want to be posting pictures of your weekend rager at the the college football game. Probably not, but I don't know. Maybe that's good for you. Um, So, but I think in that, so for how do I stay on Twitter, maintain my equanimity? And I've got people who ask me this all the time, right? And how is this going to work? And how have you been able to do this? And so I don't follow people who say crazy things and who are, who, I mean, I, I certainly follow some people who don't see the world exactly the way I do. But, you know, to your point, they're not like leaning into stuff that we all know is not true, right? So I was like, I don't know. I just don't do that. Uh, and, you know, I certainly keep, I think about the stuff I post before I post it. And mm. I am not attempt. It, it is not part of my strategy. And I have good friends who don't share my view on this, but it is not part of my strategy to post things because they're controversial. You know, when I'm posting a thing, I'm thinking, okay, this was, sometimes I'm just posting a thing because it helped me. And it's mostly a note. I want this thought out in the world. So someone else says, oh, I thought this and I don't care whether you care about it or not. It was really for me to remember that I said this. And so I put those kinds of things out there. But I have conversations with people that I like and I'll tag or follow them or actually engage in a thread with them on Twitter from time to time. And but I, but the real trick to not going nuts um, or not is to, uh, well, not a don't be too famous and B don't, um, you know, trying to curate the people you follow with folks that, um, you know, don't upset your equanimity, ataraxia. Wendy, how do, how do you navigate, you know, keeping the crazy out of the use of social media? Either, by the way, either yourself, because you, you know, all of us, you can get sucked into things, right? And it's like, yeah. well, damn it, I have got to say something about this thing here, right? And it's like, that dude, is really? what gets you into trouble. Yeah. I have to say something about this. That is the thing that gets you into trouble. Yeah. yeah. I, I was, I was listening closely, like, what's Phil's advice on this? Cause I would love to hear it. And, and also, yeah, getting sucked into the endless scrolling on any of these things. So, um, I would say a couple things. First, people that I do actually care about, I will directly go to their accounts or check their tweets or check their either posts and things like that. So that's that's one point. Um, but then I think the the other two things are are beliefs. Um, one is, and and I, I I don't really voice this, but I am now. There are certain conversations I will not engage in on LinkedIn or Twitter. I will not engage in modeling battle. I mean, it is too nuanced. It is a race to the bottom. We'll never come to agreement, particularly in a written format, trying to traverse all that. So I just... So, so this framework okay. versus that framework versus this model versus yep. that model. Yep. This yep. is the best way to think about this problem. No, no, no. Yep. It's this, right? Yeah. Yep. You will actually see me never weigh in on those. I don't have enough time in my life to do that. And it's not constructive. It's not the impact I'm going to make. Right? I'm going to reference you now on yep. every single one that I see. <laughs> What do you think? think? (laughs) I mean, isn't that a a good way to get through this? You know, I, to Wendy's point, right? 
I try not to make normative statements. You should anything. Is this the kind of thing that makes people, everybody crazy? So, you know, I'm just, I'll tell you, I, bar, I borrowed this technique from an old Greek guy. I ask questions instead, and I'm willing to lead you to a state of uncertainty, right? Aporia in what you are doing. But I'm not going to tell you what you ought to do. I'm just, you know, my my kids do this all the time. They'll say they'll say they'll say something that I know is ridiculous. And rather than say it's ridiculous, I say, "How did you come to believe that?" And then they have to go back and think about that part of it. So I'm doing a little bit of a, you know, epistemology kind of thing. But my thing is, I think that is kind of okay. Is to say, I just want you to think about how you came to that idea. And maybe you'll keep it. Maybe it's great and you'll just carry that luggage with you everywhere you go. But maybe it's time to set it down. But I'll, do you decide that? I'm not going to tell you what you ought to do. Well, but what that gets you to, right, is the thought process that makes you realize, oh, wait a second, that was just a feeling. That wasn't a thought, right? You know what I mean? Right? It's like, I felt this. I felt I had to say this thing on this LinkedIn thread. Right. The reality so is, we, and we all it, do this, like, right? We Nobody all have cares. this thing. We have this. We have this middle. This immediate emotional impulse to do a thing and to to maintain our own state of again equanimity. Right. We have to learn how to like ignore that. I, I always ask. I always ask. Will anyone either care that I've said this, or will I change anyone's mind mm -hmm. by saying this? Yeah. Interesting. Or, or does the world need Chris Lockhart to say this? Or are plenty of other people yes. are going to say it, right? There's 18 gazillion people that are going to say the same thing. I don't need to add to that because, right, it may come back to bite me at some point in the future, right? Especially when you get into some of these controversial type things, right? Like which kind of coffee is better? That sort of thing. Dunkin' Donuts. Or oh, wait a second. I will tell you not to put ketchup on a hot dog. That's my only normative oh, statement no. I allow myself. No oh, ketchup no. on a hot dog. See, no but one should eat a hot dog. Mostly, hot, hot dog I, is I a tube that. of you know unused garbage meat left oh, over from gosh. the. See, this is how it goes. This is what. That's it. I'm out of here. Hot dogs and McRibs. Those are two subjects that no one wants to agree with me on. So whatever. Now I'm off YouTube. Now that's it. I'm that's done. it. That's it. <laughs> no more TikTok for me. I yeah. what you're saying that we Sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah, if, cool. if, if social is making you ill, you need to find something, some other right. way to direct your attention. Yep. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I think you're tapping in here really to the, the fact that a lot of people are attuned to the fact these, these platforms are designed to play on your emotions. You know, they're designed to be addictive, they're designed to give you a dopamine hit. Um, that's the, that these, these platforms are trying to get you to engage with them more and more and more and suck out more of your time into these platforms. And I think it's, it's being mindful of that and therefore both in the consumption and I suppose in the commenting and posting, you know, you are being gamified and sort of recognizing the game that you're, that you're, that you're part of. Um, but, but, but at the same time, I love what you were saying there, Phil, about being genuine and authentic. And I like, I almost like what you're, what you're almost doing is almost doing like coaching through your social media posting and like, you know, asking those questions that get think. And I try and do something similar. I try, I try not to kind of spout from the, 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 you know, from the, from the, from the sermon, you know, I try not to kind of, uh, preach. I try to kind of like go, well, here's what I think, but what do you think? And I, and I think trying to get people into genuine conversation is often what gets good traction. So you know, if you can get you know, engagement and comments on something in the first hour of posting something, particularly on LinkedIn, you'll generally kind of go up people's, um, you know, it'll, it'll appear on more people's um, uh, timelines than, 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 than stuff that doesn't. So it's a balance, right. though, isn't it, between between not being completely clickbaity, 
you know, and overly salesy, overly show-offy and irrelevant, quite frankly, because sometimes people post stuff that's just clearly out there to get likes or get engagement. And it's nothing really to do with their job or, or anything they've really... Yeah, you mean like you mean that. like a LinkedIn poll? Would you would you put that in? I, have, I, I try not to use them. I I think someone will probably dig it out now and find one where I have done one. But I'm fairly sure I've never used one because I just hate them. So which much. kind of tree is best? It's like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Really? Uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, in case anybody is arguing with Ollie right now, right? I want to make th- his point completely clear in that you are being gamified to fight on this. It is a giant cockfight that's going on on these platforms. And if you don't believe it, think about it like this. Chris Lockhart posts on Instagram some picture of his kids. And all I got to do is say, well, that's so cute. She's adorable growing up so fast. And it's poof and it's done, right? But let's imagine that Chris or somebody else posts something that is controversial. Now I start to fight with him. It takes me a couple of minutes to formulate this. I do a thing and then he does it back. And now we're in a fight. So look how much more traction the fight has other than the adorable picture of his cute kids, right? So these are the two things. And if you were sitting back at Facebook and here is the problem, and it's not just Facebook, just imagine your Facebook, you're selling ads against this cockfight. And the thing is, you know, a couple of cute comments, two word comments on cute kids doesn't have the traction of this enormous cockfight going on. And this is why these platforms are this way. And if you don't believe it, just go check your feed. Doom scroll, not so long that you feel ill, but doom scroll just long enough to see this happen. And you'll realize that's exactly what's going on. So let's talk about then the person using this for the professional track, right? I I want to brand myself personally, or I want to connect uh, with other people in my professional tribe, or I want to build my business brand or something, right? Um, You know, what are some of the things that that those folks can do to not get sucked into the, like, like Wendy was saying, the endless sort of like, my this, this shape is better than that shape kind of thing. but then also it's like, you know, there, there, there are, so that, that's not, that's not engaging in the, in the, that bit, but then there's also other pitfalls, right? Like the pitfall of oversharing, right? And I mean, I've fallen into that category in the past, right? Um, and so it's like, you know, there, there are all these kinds of things. What are some ways that, that the professional consultant should, could, would use these tools and maybe some things that they shouldn't do? I don't know. I think um, I think it's about showing up authentically and just remembering that these platforms magnify who you are as a human. So if you're kind of wired to argue, it's going to magnify that. If you're kind of leaning negative, um, or if you're if you're leaning positive, I mean, it, it's going to magnify that. So I think it's just being very cognizant that you're sort of not hiding behind a computer like you think it may feel. And our words have, I think, an incalculable effect, good or bad, right? You don't know who read a post and said, oh, my God, that just changed my life. And that inspired me. I'm going to go down this new path. Or someone that said that comment that was no big deal to you really hurt me and ruined my day. And I think I'm going to stop doing this. So I think it's being cognizant of that. I think also when we're showing up professionally, it's important to know that it's not just about um 
it's barely about that thing that you're selling or who you are selling. It's about creating dialogue. There's there's sort of, I think, an unwritten expectation that you're giving in some way, whether it's ideas or, or bringing people together. And just, you know, knowing that that product or service or that, that, that person you're trying to market is kind of all mixed up in that. But that's not your number one why. It feels like it has to be about something bigger. I think that is really super critical. And I think it was Gary Vaynerchuk or however you pronounce it, right? That's and I think one of the only things that he ever said that stuck with me because it's so frenetic usually and talk about oversharing. But I think one of the things he said was like the only purpose that you should have in engaging in any of these platforms is to give stuff away, right? Because if you're doing it to get something, then you're gonna fall into those traps of you know, I need to post 12 to, times a day. Kind of. It's similar to conference speaking, right? I think good conference speakers share something of value with the audience. They don't do a sales pitch. And I think this is this is where people go wrong. They like really irritate people by being very pitchy. I mean, like, let's use the example of someone who sends you a connection request. You look at them and you think, I don't know you, but maybe there's some useful sort of interaction we can have. And nine times out of 10, when I accept people like that, what do I get? I get a sales bot, pitch on Instagram. A bot message immediately. Yeah, I get I get like a sales pitch. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let's build a relationship first. <laughs> it's kind of, uh, uh, and I think this, this this genuine sort of piece about, yeah, sharing something that's insightful or, you know, or, or value. And it's about, dem- so, so it's, it's you know, marketing terms, it's about demand generation rather than lead generation, right? I mean, maybe yeah. lead generation can come later, but what you're doing to start with is just raising awareness of the brand and perhaps of you or of your company but doing that in a in a constructive, positive way, like 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 when you said, I think is vital. And by the way, to get a bit meta, Chris, as as, as you all know, I've actually written on LinkedIn about some of the my, my suggestions around do's and don'ts, uh, based on what I was in Big Four World and speaking to consultants about, you know, the fact they were scared about sharing because let's face it, big consultant firms have some pretty serious social media policies in many cases. Correct. You don't want to fall foul of them. So yeah. it's kind of like, how do you navigate this? Kind of corporate policy versus personal freedom and personal, you know, messaging is a tricky one. So that, that yeah, there's, there's an article that I wrote a few years ago that, that hopefully shines a bit of a helpful light on some of these topics. So we'll definitely have the link to that article because it was a good one. Um, and yeah, I think when we've talked uh, when we were talking about ethics, right? I think there there are some of those that are just bright red lines, right? That companies set. Do not talk about the stock of a company that you are doing accounting for or whatever, right? There's those kinds of bright red lines. And then there are these other ones where it's like, and you see this on LinkedIn, you know, is it okay to put a post out there rooting for my favorite cricket team in the, in the, you know, in the, was it world cup, whatever it's called. Right. Uh, Because, you know, you've, you see that it seems innocent, Right. I want to I want to share my love and appreciation of the uh, Indian cricket team. And then it's just like the hatred rolls in. Right. And then you get into like this kind of thing. And it, maybe it's not about sports. Maybe it's about whatever. But or maybe it's about models. Right. Or frameworks. And we've all seen that sort of thing. So I I'll think give you, I'll give you another real example, though. It's clients or prospects. So in cybersecurity is an example of people sharing when perhaps people have been hacked or had a data breach. And, it, and, I, I, and I'd have to call out so many salespeople saying, stop, delete that message. Because you calling out that, that company has had a data breach and yes, they should buy our software is just not the way to like to talk on this platform at all, let alone, you know, let, let, let alone calling people out like that. So I think, and, and in consulting days, uh, I posted something quite innocently, I think about Uber. And I didn't know that Uber were a client. 
And me posting the, the article, the news story about Uber wasn't the problem. It was the fact that then someone else at my consulting firm started to write a comment about what they were doing. And then that's when I got in trouble. I literally got called into a partner's office and asked what was going on here. Um, and, and actually, then they said, you know what? It's not your fault. It's actually the person that's commented on that post. Yeah. And there are lots of examples of this, right? I worked yeah. at a firm where um, there was someone who used their personal Twitter account to make some political comment in, in a live type environment. And a number of defense contractors that were our clients were not particularly thrilled with that because it related to the military. Right. That person was let go. It's like, listen, this is just incompatible. You, no one's telling you you can't do that, but that is incompatible with this. And so we we can't do the two. Um, so, and we can go down that path. I'm sure we all have lots of examples of that. But so, so when we talk about then, um, like what's appropriate, what's what's permissible, right? There's all that sort of stuff. Um, what are some good ideas? What are some tips for good sharing? What's good sharing look like if you're trying to build a personal brand? Wendy, I think you probably do this the best out of all of us, frankly. Well, personal content, um, actual original content that you've built. Uh, I think that's that's good. And obviously, you get lots of feedback and lots of dialogue. But I also think posting could be other articles or pointing to other things. But I think the key around it, too, that maybe takes it over just a random share is to put um, to put your perspective, Oliver, like you were saying, to ask some questions, to facilitate some conversation, to to summarize the takeaways or summarize what it meant to you and why you liked it, because those sorts of things create dialogue and they um, they help people to understand new perspectives beyond just like thanks for the article share. I I think you're bang on there, Wendy. And the other thing I heard recently is that people don't most people don't read the article, right? So actually that takeaway, that sort of key summary is so, so important because a lot of people will just react to the headline and then comment on the headline. Um, it's crazy. There's some crazy statistic. I'll maybe have to dig it out and comment when, when we post this. It is a crazy low number that, that people actually go through and read. And even if they do uh, open the link, like a lot of people just literally skim read some of it. So for a lot of me for this is kind of being really succinct and concise and like getting your point across really, you know, in a really clear way because people aren't going to read the fold. No, I think this is all great advice, right? And I think the point that Oliver is making is really important now because people are thinking, oh, I don't really have the time to write 2000 words for LinkedIn. You don't need 2000 words, you need 300. And the, the thing is, it's a great headline and five sentences, and you can call it a day and move along. And people will, and as he said, they'll share it. And you, we all know, they know, the guys running the platform know that no one's reading past those first few sentences. They're saying, does this sound make sense? Yeah, upvote it, right? I'm all over that. So here's the thing. Why are you as a consultant doing any of this at all? It's because you would like to improve your opportunities one way or the other. Either you'd like to do well inside the business you're in, or you'd like to have better clients, or you'd like to go to another firm or something like that. Who do we hire? Who gets hired? People who are competent, and charming, right? And so those are the things that you have to think about what you're doing. So, and what charming, by the way, you may not get this, but charming means I'm a good team player, right? So I can work inside of a group of other people. I can collaborate and get things done. 
those are the people who get hired. So that means you don't want to violate either one of those two principles. You don't want to appear incompetent. They'll say something stupid. By the way, incompetent can mean I don't know my craft or I can't predict how other people are going to react to this because I've never thought ahead of how the community might take this. And if I can't put myself in somebody's head, I don't get to do that part. And then again, inside the charming is like, I'm not using this to scold other people. I'm causing this to bring them forward and to help them, right? So I think in this case, you want to think of, am I being charming? Am I being competent? And would people care about this, right, at all? And then stick that out in the world. And that's how you do this post. I also completely agree with Wendy, although I don't think she leaned in it quite hard enough. I don't think you can any longer curate your way to fame on a platform. You have to write original content. However, curating is a great way to be noticed by somebody else. So if I was the kind of cat that said, I would really like to have Wendy have a conversation with me about something else or whatever, I would reach out. I'd get one of Wendy's posts. I would make good comments against her post. I might take it and reshare it along with my thoughts on why I thought this was useful. And Wendy can't help but think, as long as I don't appear as a knucklehead otherwise, that I might be competent and capable and someone she would want to have a conversation with. And I have certainly used these very same techniques to say, this is a smart cat. I like their thinking. I would like to get closer. Let me take their posts and amplify it to my little tribe. And uh, and that starts a conversation. Yeah, I know. I completely agree. And, you know, for my part, I think, you know, the the whole we've used this word a couple of times, right? The whole idea of authenticity, right? You can't you can't fake it. You can't fake authentic. I think some people can get close to faking authentic. Um, but I, I think you can see through that. And so what, what does that mean? It's like, well, I think what that means is you have to have your own ideas, right? Now, you may have an, a thought or an idea or an addendum to someone else's thought, right? But it, it needs to be kind of like your own. Here's what I think about this thing. And then, and then a way to, you, you mentioned competency. I think you, know, you have to also be articulate about the thing, right? You may be competent about it, but you can't express it, right? <laughs> then that's a problem. Um, and I think you see examples of this all over LinkedIn, right? Where it's like the copycat idea. It's like, I also think that, you know, the Zachman framework needs to be updated or whatever, right? Or Web3 web is the thing that everyone web needs three, to do. Right? Digital transformation is the way of the future, right? Whatever it might be. So there's, there's like lack of originality goes into authenticity. But I think you can talk about, you can be authentic and talk about someone else's idea as long as you're adding your own perspective to it, right? Wendy, that's that's what you pointed out because that brings your experience and your knowledge and who you are to somebody else's topic. So I think that that for me is something that, you know, some I try to do sometimes. <laughs> that always succeed. All right, listen, guys, uh, I appreciate um, the conversation. I mean, I think there's so much more here, right? Um, there's some links that are particularly useful and we didn't really even get into like, how do I know if I'm being successful with any of these sorts of engagements? Um, and, you know, there's obviously there's stuff like the, the LinkedIn, um, what is it? The social selling index, the SSI, right? We'll put that link in. If, if anyone doesn't know about that, you should definitely check that out because it's pretty cool. Um, but, you know, there's all kinds of different tools to measure success of how I'm doing against that. I think that's an entirely different conversation. And oh, by the way, you know, if we we're just talking about like LinkedIn specifically, there's probably an entire episode where we could, you know, like like we did with mental health, where we just riffed for an hour and then we talked to people who actually knew something about it and were certified. 
you know, maybe, maybe this is an opportunity, you know, to talk maybe in depth with someone that is, you know, an expert on, um, you know, selling your brand or building your brand on, on LinkedIn or at some point in the future. But anyway, appreciate it. Um, Phil Vianoff, Wendy Keene, Oliver Cron. Thank you so much. I'm Chris Lockhart. Thank you, everybody. We will see everyone next time. Yay. Hugs. Oh, goes wild. <laughs> good stuff. Always, always good stuff. I that was great. No, I, I want to talk more about my, this com- Commodore accordion. Uh, we should talk about the Commodore accordion. Because that, that's nuts. <laughs> absolutely bonkers. The I dude, didn't know that existed till today. Things I learned. Right, I watched it and I was like, this is really cool, but but, but why? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's really cool. Hopefully, hopefully, Chris, you can edit out my completely left the brain fog moment. Sorry about that. So it's personal branding also, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I think the I've completely lost my train of thought. I'm going to blame COVID. I had COVID a couple of weeks ago, and my my brain is sometimes a bit foggy. Oh, that's yeah. going to be the cold open, yeah. Right. <laughs> oh no! And now to Oliver for some deep insight. Uh... <laughs> There were some really good insights, by the way. I love Oliver that you brought up the um, the algorithms on the social media. That was actually an important point to make. And um, yeah, boy, yeah, yeah you guys said all game. sorts of good stuff. You're being game, right? yeah. And and yeah, so many of these things are like like Ponzi schemes if you think about it, right? It's like you know I need to be more outrageous so that I can get more eyeballs for a longer period of time, so I can sell more advertising dollars. And you saw, you've seen with Facebook when people catch on to that shtick. Look what happened. They lost like 70% of the value of that firm over the past mm-hmm. few months. Well, and the reason they lost that value is because it all went away when Apple said we're no longer yeah. going to trade that location data back. Well, there you go. Right. So yes. and basically, you know, this is why Apple's been able to outperform all the other tech stocks in the last quarter. Because they're authentic? Because they make a product that no one else makes? Well, because selling stuff is a good business model. Selling right. ads against cockfights is not a good business model. Well, because you're not selling your thing. You're selling other people's things. Mm. Right? Yep. They're well, my ideas. Right? Well, uh, this is not this is not my quote, but it's brilliant. I'm sure you've heard it. It's something like if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Yeah. 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 It's good, good advice. That's <laughs> uh, true. Um I, I do want to start on the why, right? So mm-hmm. No, I agree. And I, and I think is the thing is, I think we can also put into the fact, right, that clearly there's a lot of turmoil on some of the platforms currently. And mm-hmm. I think, I don't know where you want to fit it in, Chris, and you can lead if you want, and then we'll just kind of dig in. But I, you know, clearly these social platforms have changed their formulas in such a way that they now are rewarding enragement over engagement. And they are doing that to bring more people in. And this the problem is created, as you saw inside of Facebook or you see, saw inside of Twitter, is that they were so hungry for what appeared to be additional users and more time on site that basically they've begun to play this giant statistically driven game of let's you and him fight. Right. And that's the game. Yeah. Well, that's why I deleted my Twitter account, having been a user since it started right, in right. 08, mm. late 08, right. early 09. And, and the thing is, you did it for your own mental health. Yeah, mm-hmm. because it was mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I had to keep asking myself the question, which I think is important, which is, does anyone need to hear me say anything about this topic? Mm-hmm. And the answer is almost always no. 
Well, and can I just reframe in that case? I mean, I get you saying that way, and that's a noble and generous gesture. But <laughs> you're welcome. You're what you're really saying is, can I have a conversation in a place where people are simply opening, opening the windows on the street and dumping their chamber pots all day long? <laughs> that is what we're trying to do, right? And it's like, this sucks. No one wants any part of that. I mean, yeah. it's bad for our health. It stinks. <laughs> I just, I just do thought do not it. defenestrate your chamber pots. There you go. Right. I mean, but that's kind of what Twitter. And, and the thing is, I have managed to stay on Twitter. I'm fine. It's worked out okay with me. But you know, the people I've talked to, this whole secret is curating your audience. Mm. I mean, curating your group because otherwise, you have people in it that draw in bots that draw. And of course, I don't talk about. Terrible. I don't talk about political issues, et cetera. People, you know, where folks want to have their own facts. I don't talk in that world much. You know, I'm doing something else. But yeah, it's mm -hmm. there's a bunch of crazy people on any of these platforms, and you know, we could talk about enforced identity as a tool for that. But we're not we're not here to fix that. We're here to say what can you as a consultant do that both maintains your mental health and allows you to be seen by the right people for you. Great. Thank you, everybody. I know, that's it. Phil, you. that's all we need. That was great. Yeah, done. <laughs> that was great. Have a nice time. day. <laughs> Moving on. Um, all Next. right.